Welcome to Sonic Talk number 325, recording today live on Wednesday the 7th of August. We're now in the clasps of summer and the sun's gone away, but it's actually quite nice to be a bit cooler for a change. Uh, And I want to say welcome. We've got a small, uh, lovely collective of guests. Uh, first I'll say obviously uh, thanks to our sponsors, uh, isotope.com uh, Check out Stutter Edit. A bit more on that later. We have a competition announcement to announce and a new competition to announce. <laughs> so uh, do hang on and see if you can get a win or find out if you did win last week. Uh, first of all we're going to go to our guests. Uh, I'm going to go to Rich Hilton. Uh, Rich Hilton, I haven't seen him for a long time. Rich of course plays in the band Chic, which is where he has been for the most of the summer, posting all sorts of pictures of himself with uh, celebrities and uh, in exotic parts of the world and uh, hearing about your travel travails. How are you, Rich? Very well, thank you. Good. I'm ever so glad to hear that. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so you just got back quite recently, right? Yeah, got back last Saturday. Right, wow. So uh, what was the last gig you played? The last gig, wow, there's a quiz. Um, Why not? (laughs) The last gig we played was in Set, France, in a place called Théâtre de la Mer, which had the featured the Mediterranean Sea to our backs as we played into this what looked like ancient fortress and uh, which splayed out like an amphitheater. Wow, uh, that sounds nice. uh, It was pretty cool. Was the sun shining? Or the moon day. was shining. That sounds gorgeous. That <laughs> yeah. sounds the sort of gigs that you, it's worth traveling thousands of miles for rather than oh, ra- was, rainy festival all, muddy gigs. <laughs> they've all been incredible, really. It's just an amazing time for this music in the world. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And it really is kind of, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's golden moments, I think. I hope you can uh, look back on this summer so far. And there's more gigs to do, actually, haven't you? You've still, still got some <laughs> yeah. more dates. Yeah, and they're popping up daily. Um, I, can, I can imagine. Apparently, I'm getting on a plane in one of the next two days and flying off somewhere to do a quick gig. <laughs> Excellent. Seriously. Nice work. Oh, you're, you're looking very well, Rich. Thank uh, so thank you very much for coming on. And, of course, we've also got Mr. Gaz Williams uh, right over there, who's uh, back in his place in Bristol, who's also back, uh, played Fuji Rock with Carl Hyde, uh, his bass player. That's not Dave. That's Sorry about that. That's Gaz Williams <laughs> at Gold Star, song surgery at Cody UK. Uh, currently, really, a professional bass player, I think would be fair to say. Would that be uh, reasonable? Well, yeah, for certainly, yeah, this year has been very bassy and it really does kind of tap into my deepest passion, I suppose. And, you know, and I've kind of multitasked uh, over the years trying to learn to do different things to make a living, I suppose. But when it comes to it, there's nothing that makes me happier than sort of playing, uh, especially to... Uh, 60,000 people. <laughs> yeah, that's a rocket. That sounded like a rocket. That was a yeah. special moment there. And, of course, in the middle of your honeymoon because you are now a married man. Yeah, that was amazing. That was a really like a, like a fantasy honeymoon. It was superb. Um, and then uh, once I got back, it was straight off with the David Rhodes uh, trio um, where we went to play in Liechtenstein. And um, it was quite a funny story that just quickly like to tell is that um so i arrived at the airport in zurich in switzerland and uh the the, the taxi came to collect us uh, the 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 promoter uh, the promoter came along too and this is a 
terrific chap um, called Alex Nussbaumer. I, I hope that's his, the right pronunciation. Um, but he's a he's a he's a great guy, very enthusiastic, full of full of energy and uh, super super chap. And um, so in the trio was David Rhodes and Jed Lynch, um, both Peter Gabriel's band musicians. Um, and myself and uh, Alex is going. Hi guys, hi guys, guys. Oh yeah, guys. I yeah, I I know you guys, don't I? I know we know each other. And I was like, uh, no. Uh, he goes, yeah, yeah. He was adamant. He was adamant that he knew me. And then I was going, uh, and I was getting a bit embarrassed then because I knew I'd never met him before. And he just going, yeah, guys. Did you come over with the last David Rhodes? Are we over on the Peter Gabriel tour? And I was like. Um no, <laughs> and he. But he was like he wouldn't let it go. He knew me. He knew me. That was it. Was absolutely. It was. And then a little bit, a little bit later, he just went, Sonic State, <laughs> <laughs> and he's a big podcast. He listens to podcast every week. Oh, uh, awesome! Yeah. What's it? What's so, his name? We want to say Alex Nussbaumer. Yeah, Alex Nussbaumer. Hello, Alex. Fantastic guy. If you're listening, really, really cool guy. Yeah, I'm sure he will. He listens to it every week. So. Yeah, I just thought I'd mention that because it was uh, it was real fun. Ah, oh, great! Well, thanks for letting us uh, letting us know about that, and thanks, uh, Alex, <laughs> for taking such good care of Gaz. <laughs> yeah. Put a little extra something in his rider. <laughs> they do this thing, uh, and that's the thing we were doing in Liechtenstein. This uh, little big sessions, and we went into a recording studio and did like a live session in front of a very small audience of about maybe thirty or forty people. Um, and like Liechtenstein is, I think, the second richest country in the world. So I was kind of expecting the studio to be this very sort of, um, you know, ultra slick modern place. And uh, we arrived at the studio and uh, we went in there and it was, it kind of resembled like a 1970s studio. It was very clean, very nice, but it had this very old fashioned look about it. And oh, cool. And we did a session and it was uh, onto 24-track, 2-inch. And they had a clasp system in there, which is the first time I've seen one of those out in, in the wild. Um, and a microphone cupboard to die for. I mean, really, it was... Uh, oh, did, you insi- did you insist, I want that one on my bass, please? <laughs> well, I think they'd already sort of put out... And then, what did they put? They'd put a, an RE20 on the bass, which I love that on the bass. Yeah. But just, uh, just a collection of mics they had. And uh, I was... Uh, Oh, I don't know. I, I, for the other mic fetishists out there, um, and I know there's many, you know, when you see that sort of thing, it really is. I'm rubbing my jeans, just look, you know. <laughs> <whoa>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to show one one last thing. And um, when I was in uh, Tokyo a few weeks back, I went to this music shop that was a really cool place and loads of music tech stuff there. And I was looking to get something. And the only thing I, that I could see that I thought was really cool um, was one of these and see if you can work out what it is. There we are. Um, it looks like... It looks like a sort of drinks holder type thing. Hmm. No, I have no idea. That That's... It's, it is a... It's a headphone hanger and it kind of keeps uh. on under your desk. <laughs> and it, and, it, and now, now that sounds like a really, you know, mundane thing. Um, but... I've, the amount of headphones I've broken just from not having a dedicated place for them. In fact, I did break my beloved HD 650s live on the Sonic Tour. Oh, no. Yeah, well, I went to move and got tangled up and pulled them and broke them. Yeah, uh, the chat room, they so, got it. Somebody got it in the chat room as well. Uh, yeah, that oh, was well, awesome. 
Yeah, sorry, not particularly exciting, but I haven't seen them. In, I haven't seen them available anywhere else. Um, and uh, this, they are made by Audio Technica, but yeah, highly recommended. Little, little tiny thing. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll go all the way to Japan to find a bit of <laughs> novel technology. Excellent, R- Rich. Do you get a chance to do much shopping while you're out on the road? Have you managed to uh, pick up anything of uh, a great interest uh, in your travels, or is it uh, traveling light? Save the space for wine. <laughs> or well, I didn't even have weight left for wine in my bags this time because it was a long trip. Ah. I took too much with me. So <laughs> everything was and everybody had overweight bags anyway. But but uh, I received some gifts and I don't tend to I'm not a real shopping guy much. I don't, you know, enjoy the hunt as much as some <laughs> seem to. Uh, but many do, and I respect that. Um, so, no, not a lot of shopping. If it is, it's usually for practical reasons. And uh, a few gifts came back with me. Super. A festival shirt right here. Ah, um, cool. For example, which I got in Vance the night that preceded the night in set. And, um Yeah. So nice flat pack kind of things thing. that you're easily to transport. Well, that's excellent. Um, well, we've got uh, a few topics this week. I mean, there was a last one, uh, a late one that came in, which is rather sad news. But it, in some ways, it's it's news that allows us to celebrate something as well. I'm just going to play a little bit. I've got um, I've got a clip lined up, which I think is worth checking out. And this is uh, obviously the news is is sad, but let's see if anyone can recognise. I'm going to fast forward this to a particular point where it really gets going, and it's just. Super groovy. Funk it down. Let's Here go. we go. Give it to me. Uh, now that the bridge uh, is on this side of the border. Give me some of that. Why don't y'all come on over here with us? Want to walk the water? <laughs> and if you ever should see a skunk shake his rum, <laughs> tell him to come on over here for some uh, snake funk in the dark, baby. Now we got this stick. That will set you free. All you got to do is uh, take a closer walk with me. And we got this bang that's full of magic tricks. Sheila E. there, for those of you spotting. The magic of the Duke is Total P Funk kind of uh, vibe, this. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, this is, could be none other than uh, George Duke, who, of course, passed uh, in the early hours of this morning. Uh, amazing, not only amazing pianist, but amazing synthesis, uh, musician, just everything. And that was that was probably his most accessible kind of works, maybe. I think that might have been actually charted, um, Dukey Stick. And I, I looked for that because I thought he was playing his kind of uh, Gleeman Pentaphonic um, Perspex vibe that he had, but it wasn't on that one. There are others. But as I was looking around, I found some amazing stuff. There's also, I might play out a little bit with uh, uh, when he was playing with Frank Zappa, and, and as Gaz said earlier, um, pre show, you know, that's probably some of Zappa's finest material and he he sang he played some amazing stuff i know rich i i this, i picked this up because you posted on your facebook and i know that you kind of met and uh, had dealings with uh, george so it's it seems only fitting that we should go to you first really i met george uh only a couple of times and um was i i guess what i posted was a bit misconstrued to believe that i knew him very well which is not the case but in the times that I met him, he was extremely gracious and 
watching him for I was just a huge fan from the very early 70s onward when I became exposed to him through my hearing Jean-Luc Ponty's album about the music of Frank Zappa on which George played trombone and keyboards oh, really um, I didn't know that yeah. that's astonishing and he also played trombone in Frank Zappa's 200 Motels movie um and that was right around the time when he first joined Frank Zappa and I was familiar with his work through Frank Zappa, and I saw his first solo gig as a trio at Philharmonic Hall in New York in, like, 1973 and was buying his albums on BASF Records before, long before the Doogie Stick period and um, was thrilled to meet him when I did and uh, took just extraordinary amounts of influence from him as I grew as a musician. So... Um, his connection to me is pretty much would have been unknown to him. It had more to do with my your affinity yeah. of what he had done, and uh, I'm shocked. That yeah, it's very. I mean, it's just so sudden and sad. I mean, you know, he was. The thing is, you look at all of you, particularly look at that video and look at everything. He's just like. He's 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 he seems like such a big friendly guy, you know, and it's like he really is. sort of happy, healthy, and kind of just just getting on with stuff and I mean, but the thing that's really interesting i was looking through because he played with you know billy cobham he played with john luke ponty as you said frank zappa played with uh, uh, like kind of pretty much everyone you could possibly think of stanley clark the, the stanley clark and uh, um george duke band i mean they they toured a lot in europe actually and i think they did a quite a, probably quite a lot of the same perennial gigs that maybe Sheik have done like montreux and also all those kind of things and he's been he's just been kind of flying the flag Ah, there he is on the front. This month's just oh, arrived no at way. my door. Oh, man. Cover story no way. in Keyboard Magazine <gasps> is George Duke. That is Written so... by my friend Jerry Kowarski, who probably a bunch of you know. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, Jerry himself is a wonderful, wonderful human being. Uh, worked many years in the industry for a bunch of different companies, including Casio and Sonic and Korg. Yeah. And um, Jerry's a keyboardist himself, an excellent keyboardist, and a really great guy. And Jerry had done all this interview time with George. And, you know, yesterday morning I awakened to this news that George has passed, and simultaneously on the steps leading up the st up here from yesterday's mail was this magazine with wow. George on the front cover. Wow, that's... And, uh, uh, that's uh... I don't know what you say. It's kind of like, I suppose in some respects it gives, because I mean, I, one thing that I've discovered, you know, through just looking for George Duke stuff and the things that I remember, I've discovered all this other stuff and it sent me on all sorts of musical journeys. So that's kind of great in a way, as I said, you know, it's, it, it, it's brilliant. And I don't think many people would have necessarily been aware of him, you know, perhaps less, I mean, he was a mainstream musician, but he was also supportive in a lot of ways, rather than kind of up front. And, and I think perhaps that people aren't aware of some of the stuff that he did. So, you know, perhaps that will be good. You know, at least more people will have the opportunity to see what, he's, what he actually achieved. Well, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's the, something, I guess. The I mean, pinnacle of that Zappa band, as I believe Gaz was referring to, is um, recorded on a CD collection called You Can't Do That On Stage Anymore. And uh, Volume 2 volume is, a two. is a complete yeah. concert by that band at the yeah. height of their powers. Is Helsinki, is it? That's yeah, I think it's yeah. Finland. And uh, it's... I was listening to some of it yesterday. I was listening yeah. to Inca Rhodes in particular. Jesus, yeah. It's I've... just mind-boggling how good yeah. they were. I've been listening yeah. to Inca Rhodes too, and in fact I have it queued up for a playout because it's the, the, one of my <laughs> favourite keyboard solos of all time, actually, is in Inca Rhodes. And it's... It, it's 
what's amazing about that whole thing, and this is probably going a bit off topic because we haven't played it yet, but it was so complex, but so it seemed played with such ease. Mm. <laughs> when you see, I, I can't remember her name, is it um, somebody Underwood who was the percussionist? And she's playing Bruce all that Underwood. really just ridiculous marimba stuff. And you're just going, what? How's that possible? It's just, yeah, it's very... Uh, they were that good. They were that good. Gas, I know yeah. you you probably uh, enjoyed some of uh, George Duke's work yourself. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, and that Zappa period, sort of 74, 75, albums like One Size Fits All, which for me, that's my favourite Zappa album. And George Duke is so very kind of huge on that album. Um, uh yeah, really gutted. And but the thing, the little tale I wanted to tell was um, a couple of weeks back, I managed to see a band who had been wanting to see for a while, and and it's funny because I thought of George Duke because the keyboard player in this band, the band is called Snarky Puppy, and I'm just raving about them. They're a Brooklyn-based. They're like a kind of modern jazz funk fusion band who are sort of doing music that we haven't heard since since like those. George Duke albums of the 70s but they're doing it with a real modern flavor and it's stunning and the keyboard player is a guy called Corey Henry and when I saw him play I thought of George Duke you know because he was smiling and he was putting so much expression and he was playing like a lot of monosynth stuff um, and a lot of so you know synth soloing he is incredible but I thought of George Duke and I thought wow this is almost like the new George Duke and so George Duke was quite present in my mind because this gig was just two weeks ago then um what I was gonna say uh he was playing as well interestingly he was playing a King Korg and I was super impressed with the sound of that actually I must check it out what's it called again it's, the band is called Snarky Puppy. Snarky Puppy, right. Yeah. Okay, now, we'll what they do, um, and I think is will be something that, that maybe will grow to be a more common thing. I think I've talked about this before, which is whenever Snarky Puppy record, they always record it live, and they do it in a studio with a small audience, a bit like the session that, that I just did with David Rhodes on Friday. Uh so what you see is what you get, you know, or rather, you know, when you the listen moment, to those out. Yeah, and then when, you listen, when you listen to their tracks, you know, you can hear a smattering of about 10 people clapping at the end of each track or something. But, um, but that's their kind of thing. They just do it live. That's a really and, interesting concept, actually, because, I mean, then you put, you put the time into the, to the rehearsal rather than the recording, and if you're playing The way well. it always used to be, and that's why records in the past are so much better than they are today, because that's where the work got done rather than, you know, oh, you know the way it is now just a farty little bit of performance and just tweak the hell out of it in pro tools but um <laughs> what, uh what i was going to say though that seeing him play in a king korg and i've not seen a king korg being used before so and he just he was really great at just subtly getting nuances out of the keyboard you know he was using real-time controls or whatever but he was really like a mono you know playing it like a mono synth and just putting plenty of uh it's a very expressive instrument it's it, it sadly yes. as i said before when we reviewed it it sadly got rather it got, under under the shadow of the ms20 MS mini which mini. is kind of crazy because the ms20 exactly. mini is nothing new uh, whereas the king Korg sort of is i suppose you know what that king Korg sound in that context sounded fantastic you know and and again just just to bring back that sort of George Duke thing when you see George Duke play like on uh, on the Mini Moog or something you know 
he's using the mod wheels and the pitch wheels like all the time and getting just so much expression in his playing and and you see it in his face, don't you, as he's playing, you know, such an expressive... I found, yeah, a, I found, I found a, a, a piano solo as well, and it's just like, it's madness what he was know, able to do. You know it? what it is with George Duke? He plays with love, doesn't he? It's just love. He's one of them players who just emanates love as he plays, and, it, you know... Yeah, wonderful. I think you're probably right, actually. And, uh, we did do a talk on the... Uh, there was that um, from Nam. Remember, there was the MIDI panel, forty years of MIDI, and there was Jordan Rudess and uh, Craig Anderton and George Duke and a couple of uh, Dave Smith and a couple of other people, and, and and they were all involved in that chat. And that was just really nice if you want to sort of see George in a kind of uh, uh, normal, you know, non-performing kind of role. That's really worth a look because he had some very interesting things to say as well. But yeah, it's sad news. But I think you know. Let's celebrate by going off and finding as much George Duke material and re- you know, <laughs> seeing the stuff that he played in. I mean, he his golden, you know, he had the, huge it, legacy. Yeah, huge, huge legacy. legacy, absolutely. So, uh, yes, uh, sort of sad, but I'm trying to think of it as uplifting as well. I've been because I've been listening to George Duke stuff all day, which is kind of <laughs> not something I do very often. So I'm quite glad about that in a lot of ways. Uh, right, I think um, we should probably. Um, I was going to have a look at this one. This is kind of cool. This is. Uh, I don't know if I've got the right button because I'm a bit. Ah, here we go. This was very interesting, which I think came out before already, but it's been reissued, and it's just a great idea. This is uh, a talk that uh, Benj gave uh, for AV in. Uh, he's very, very nervous, so I'm not sure if it's his finest work, but what it essentially is oh, talking about the I'm history of the- uh, synthesizers. But he's released this album. Uh, uh, re-released the album called um, 20 Systems, which is kind of just 20 tracks of... Starting in 1968, 69, 70, 71. So it starts with Moog Modular, VCS3, ARP 2500, 2600. Surge Modular goes right up. Uh, Kawhi K5M, 1987 is when he stops. So he's sort of done 20 years or 20 sort of what he considers to be groundbreaking. I'll see if I can play it so when, when, when anything will come out. I wonder if it will play on this. Let's have a look. There's a, but it's, it's actually a really cool idea and perhaps something that only he could have done considering he's got pretty much everything there is to have. And I wondered whether there was anything else like this, because I've never really seen um, one like this at all. Ah, here we go. There's a bit of sound. This is... uh, What did I just play? I think this was... Ah, so let's try. The Moog Modular sounded pretty special, because I know that he used it a lot on uh, one of my favourite albums from a couple of years ago, which was uh, Interplay by John Fox and the Maths. Love it. Can't really hear this, because it's so sub. It's not making terribly good radio, I must admit, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. But um, fantastic idea. Um, and Rich, you you worked as a synthesizer salesman, you know, for a certain amount of time, didn't you? So I'm um, imagining that you kind of know a lot of this stuff already. It all sounds to me as expected. It all sounds idiomatic of the instruments he's describing. Yes. I, the ones I, I played about, I don't know, ten of them, and typically like the earliest ten because those are the ones that interest me the most. Um, although there were a few further down, like the Oberheim Expander that I listened to, but. Um, Everything sounds as it should. Yeah, it's a great idea, though, as a concept album. I think it's uh, it's something everybody who has a lot of synthesizers should probably do. You know, it's like you need to make all these tracks because these are all, you know, varying from sort of three to, well, two to, to six, six or seven minutes, 20 tracks. And it's just, a, I just think it's a great, it goes back to that kind yeah. of idea of concept albums, but it's sort of, it seems to fit, I'm going to have to go and buy it, I haven't bought it yet, but it seems to fit perfectly, you know, it, yeah. it seems to be made for me. Yeah, <laughs> and it, a few it's of my friends. Uh, 
it's one of the things I really liked about it was the fact that he didn't use any effects. So it's a really, it's it, it really is the sound of those keyboards. So, um, and I like his music as well. I think he's a, I think he's a good, I yeah. think he's a good writer. Um, and I, I, I just like the sort of the dryness of it all. The sort yeah, of, just it was interesting. Really CR78, um, the, right the in the chat. Sorry, CR78 is written in the chat room. Twenty Systems is what started the partnership between John Fox and Benj. John heard the album and tracked Benj down because I think it was two thousand and eight when that first came out. Yes, that's an interesting fact. I didn't know that. Thank you very much, CR78. Uh, um, good, good top tip. As I said, the chat room. Giant, um, our giant brain, sonicstate.com live. Um, do check them out um, and you can participate and help. But yeah, it's a great, just a great idea, really. I mean, it's, and there's some, there is some melodic stuff there as well, something that you could kind of groove on. It's not just, mm. you know, whittle, whittle, whittle. Any favourites? I haven't listened to it all and I'm putting you on the spot, assuming you have listened to all of them and, <laughs> and then things stood out. <laughs> I really liked, uh, I, there was a lot that I liked. I really liked um, I, the SH2000 one. I just really, really liked that because ah. it's quite an odd piece of music, but um, there's just a kind of purity to the sound on that one. This is it. Excellent. So he must have layered some of these things up. So they're layered. Yeah, he, layered, he says he layered them and he used the click track, but. Um, it's a great idea. I must admit, I, as I, I, I said last week, I've been working on um, mm. some music and I've just really dug the idea of turning on a synth and recording it and mm-hmm. just not messing around with software at all. But I'll tell you one tip that I did find is like certainly with the Jupiter 6, I record something and because the MIDI's not working properly, like you can't get the filter sweeps or anything like that, I just open the filter wide up record the part that I made and then put a filter on it in software and automate that. And that's, um, that's something so I'm able to get the live performance, but that, and then maybe trigger. The other thing I was doing is if you, then if you want to have a filter envelope, this is in logic. I was doing it just a basic logic nine track you in the auto filter, um, plugin, you can sidechain it. So you can trigger, you can send a trigger from say a bass drum or something like that. That will then filter. You can create the envelope filter on top of the overall filter. So, yeah, I think that that's something that I found uh, just sort of discovered as a technique, and it's it meant that I could do fancy stuff afterwards, but still retain the essence of the sound that I'd made in the uh, in the Jupiter Six. Just thought I'd mention that. Uh, Rich, you you been uh, you going to be doing any studio stuff, or you're pretty much in the live world at the moment? No, I'm going to the studio today. All oh, right, okay. Um, uh, I don't know. I believe it's mostly voice recording today, but I'll be in the studio. Yes. Excellent. Okay, um, let's, let's see. I, th- I think somebody just tried to Skype in. I don't know if that was uh, who was that. Oh, it seems to be Mark Tinley. I thought Mark was. Uh, he's had his. Mark said he's had his op. He's had his operation and he's not dead because he was getting a bit worried. Mark actually uh, had. I think he, one of his. It was one of his feet he had operated on a couple of weeks ago or a few months ago, and now he had the other one. So uh, glad to hear that Mark's doing very well there. So super. I, I think probably this is a good time to uh, with that. Fabulous good news. We should probably go our little ad spot for Isotope. So uh, after this ad, there will be an announcement of a competition. So I'll play this now. And I will tell you all about the Isotope stutter edit. A stutter edit is effectively... It's, a, it's an effect that allows you to slice and cut up audio uh, in real time and trigger patterns via MIDI. You can reverse things. You can get granular. You've got uh, 
filtering effects. It's done in conjunction with Brian Tranzo, BT, who was the king of cut and slice for a time and sort of came up with the idea and the notion of this and uh, Aristotle helped realise it for it. And you could, you could have cutting-edge audio slicing manipulation, you can reinvent your music and slice, you could put it on the master bus and then do turnarounds as you record a pass and play them back. And some really good ideas for little breakdowns and all sorts of stuff, just lots of inventive and interesting results. You can take the MIDI input from a keyboard and do all sorts of stuff. Download a free 10-day trial, isotope.com forward slash stutter edit, and you could get a fully functional trial. And as you can see there in the videos, uh, the presets can be triggered by uh, keyboard uh, triggers and all sorts of other things. It really is a very powerful, as we've come to expect from Isotope, and, you know, it's great to have them as a sponsor because we get to showcase all of their products, which are pretty fabulous most of the time. Well, all of the time. So, uh, sorry, I am rambling now. But uh, I want to say that last week we asked a question for uh, sound design tricks. And I got this via somebody called Sven Synthetics on the chat room, uh, on, the, on the comments in the Sonic State site. So I can't, he haven't got his email address. So if he can get in touch with me, that would be great. He says, here is a sound design trick. It works very good with pads and atmospheric stuff. You record your pad, put it in your iPod. From the iPod, there is a radio transmitter. So you can listen to it on your radio in your car or somewhere else. You could transmit from your iPad to the radio and play with the frequencies on the radio so that you add stutter and noise and all sorts of kind of weird, unusual radio tuning type stuff uh, for and not quite the right frequency. You record it back and then you've got some processing, which sounds... It's, I like the idea of taking it out and physically having to do that. It reminds me of going back to listening to stuff in the car, checking mixes in the car. So if uh, he would like to get in touch, Sven Synthetics, if he's in the chat room or anywhere else, please do get in touch with me, uh, Sonic Talk at sonicstate.com or any of the other methods, Twitter, uh, at Sonic Nick, all of those things, and we will uh, get the Isotope Fairy to give you your copy of stutter edit so thank you very much and this week uh we have another competition that again another copy of stutter edit is up for grabs i think you might be seeing a pattern here somewhere uh what you need to do is just tell us your three favorite studio tools they could be hardware or software I just want to list it remember all you have to do list them in the comments below either on youtube or uh on the sonic state site depending on where you're watching this or uh, send it in however way uh, you can and we will pick a winner from next week and i think if I'm right, I think Isotope may well be coming to Sonic Towers, and so we may have a representative here for, to join us on the podcast. So uh, maybe they'll have some news, or we can get them to set a competition question for us live. So once again, thanks to them for their sponsorship of the show. Excuse me. Terrible hiccups. Right, uh, our next topic is... Uh, I'm going to skip the support one, because Dave really wanted to... Com- to have a have a go at that. Ah, oh, this was a funny. Yes, this was. Uh, now, if I could have got the right video for this. Yes, here we go. Great visual gag. I don't know where the studio is. It looks very nice. It's dramatic. We're not going to make it. see the Lexicon 480L controller in the middle there. Ah, fairly derivative anthemic tune, but you know, good singing. Ah, 
the oldie but goodie. That was the uh, terrible singing that just dealt with with the engineer. But it got me thinking about a topic. I know this doesn't happen to probably uh, you guys very often um, because you're working at such a high level. Uh, and so generally people that get into the studio, unless it's, I've got my daughter's friend wants to come in. Can you just record something for her? But that moment when, you're, when, when the performance happens and you press record and it's the first time you hear whoever it is that's doing what they do and all you can see, obviously doing that in that level of fixing in real time is pretty impossible, but that thought that you're always thinking at the time, oh my God, I'm going to have to fix this somehow, I'm going to have to fix this somehow, and that's, that's, that's a terrible moment. How do you handle that? I'm going to go to you first, Gaz, because I'm sure Rich mm. has got something as well up his sleeve. That he, no, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to name any names. We don't want any... Uh, we oh. don't want to, Grief. I mean, I have talked about some horror stories in the past. I think uh, the X Factor one was one that springs to oh, mind. Oh, that was a cracking story, yes. I, I wish <laughs> I could remember the exact episode that we had that on because it's a brilliant tale, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I remember another time this girl was doing a session. It was for a, a Radio Wales session. Uh, and oh, Sorry, a Radio Cymru session, which is the Welsh language station in Wales. So it was sung in Welsh. And this singer uh, came in to do it and... Um, and she really wasn't very good at all. But it was her family had been making a big fuss about her and this, that and the other. And, and it, it ended up being like literally a melodyning every single sy- uh, syllable of it. Oh. Now, it, but, but her voice was so squeaky. Now, Rich will really appreciate this little bit. In order to sort of de-squeakify her voice, we um, used the form and shifting. <laughs> um, took so you- it down a lot. You know, normally with formant shifting, you know, if you're doing it, you do it quite subtly. But in this case, it brought it right down and, you know, kind of give her voice quite like a husky, full, um, you know, quality. And, uh, you know, and then everybody's really happy with it. The fa- and the family, oh, the, the family, I think they made a thousand CDs of it. And, you know, uh, uh, you know. But you did your job. I know, but I was kind of thinking, this is so deceit. You know, what percentage of her voice is kind of real on the end of that? You know, I mean, especially with the formants, you know, shifting is, you know, given. I guess the worst thing is, is at that that point, they'll use that CD and she'll get a gig or something and have to go and perform it live. And then the moment the, uh, (laughs) that it actually happens, there'll be a a change. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. The, yeah I, I, I've I've done it a couple of times, but I mean, mostly I used to work with a rapper um, who was really had came up with fantastic ideas, and he sort of so oh this sample that sample and he just, and it was just brilliant and you know I'd put it together and sort of beef it up with a bit of extra bass drum and just you know, and and so I'd make backing tracks for his band, and he had he was just. He had brilliant, brilliant ideas, and then when it came to do the rap, he just gets so excited and so wound up, he just could not rap in time at all. So, and it was actually really problematic because the raps were good as well, but he just could not actually hit the rhythm in any way for <laughs> any more than like two syllables. And that, and, and that was before you know that. So anything that I had to do had to be done in the the sampler. You know, and it was really, really you know, I just and it was just the first moment I was just thinking, oh, it's such a shame. But uh, everything else, you know, great ideas. So now I'm sure you can do deal with stuff. So, Rich, I've, I've purposely come to you last because I, 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 I'm sure you probably have to choose which, which or when, because I'm sure it's happened in your uh, in your illustrious career in the studio that you've had that have to deal with that moment where it's you know, oh, is that what you're doing? <laughs> no, that's never happened. Oh, I'm so happy for you. But I do have a good story about a use of melodyne. 
Um, in the preparation for the movie Semi-Pro, which is an American movie about basketball that's kind of a farce starring Will Ferrell, I was given a recording of a script reading which had the song lyrics on it, but the song hadn't been written yet. And Will Farrell just launched into this melody that came to him. And it was decided by my friend, the producer, that this was the melody we would use to create the song. Okay. That was the foundation really of the movie called Love Me Sexy because the plot involved a guy who was a one hit wonder in the early seventies buying a basketball team. So you had to have the one hit that was the one hit wonder that was the driving force behind the entire plot of the movie. And what I ended up doing was taking this, you know, whatever kind of room recording, somebody had their iPhone halfway across the room kind of running deal and uh, popping it into Melodyne and uh, pitching it to the nearest local key. And uh, <laughs> we used that as the foundation to write the chorus for this song. Okay. Well, that's cool. But so that so that you had to kind of because it was sung free form, I guess. Is that is yeah? That, uh, it was just a, yeah. There was no pitch reference. There was no backing track. There was nothing. He just got to those words and started singing, and that's what came out. But I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? That, I mean, that's something that you know. I'm in no way trying to kind of align what I do with any any of those sort of people with that talent. But that capturing the moment at the time the idea is coming out is actually really really important and some people are absolutely notorious and fastidious about it and have things running all the time and you know just everything i say or whatever i mean do you do you work in with people in that way i mean does is that something you find you have to do a lot or is it mostly kind of okay we've talked about it we've arranged it and now we now's the time for performance or... i tr i try to record everything but i don't always record conversational things no sure like between take conversation, it starts to feel like surveillance. To me. <laughs> and I don't think you want to create that either. Um, Insurance. <laughs> that said, uh, I would be lying if I said I haven't run a dat in the background in the old days for certain sessions that shall remain nameless. But um, how and great. I just recorded everything that happened because the person in the room meant that much to me. But I, not visibly and not in a way that affects the workflow. Right. So you try to record everything that the person is doing deliberately. And if you happen to catch some of the stuff they're not doing deliberately, or you record, for example, the pass where you're still getting the sound going because who knows what they'll do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because there's no pressure, I suppose, and that's that's it. But that, does that work with any? I mean, you're, I guess you're. Are you speaking mostly vocalists, or is that instrumentalist too? Just whoever being, people who do stuff nowadays, just be in record. Because what does it cost you? Yeah, disc space. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. How about you, guys? Do you find you do try and do that, or I mean, because you work very quickly, don't you, as well? And and sometimes I imagine that just even on for your own stuff. Yeah. It, it coming out, you know, is per worth capturing because the, ne the next time you do it, your brain will automatically modify something, won't it? Well, uh, Reaper has got a great function, and I'd like to see that in every door, which is just a sort of just a just you can just with a you can assign a keystroke and it will just record a, st a, a stereo file of whatever's you know appearing at the at the outputs at the outputs, yeah. Um, so that's quite cool, and I've used that in the past. Um, I, 
But I have to say, I love studio chatter, especially when you go back years later. Ah, the trogs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I do, I love it. I love it from sort of a nostalgic point of view, just to remember things, and just to have little little bits of people's personalities sort of captured. Um, But it is a bit like surveillance, but it's great, as I say, a few years down the line. It's just, uh, it's lovely. And I like taking little... Lift, lifting little bits of the studio chatter and just dropping it into other things. Um, oh, that's interesting. Uh, as uh, actually, um, um, aka Tinley or uh, Tinley, a not dead Tinley in the chat room just said, you know, it's uh, when you get time to listen back to it all, and that's mm. that's a very good point because that's that's the <laughs> yeah. other thing you're thinking. If you record everything, you're just going. I suppose the point yeah. is, is if you've got it and somebody says, "Hey, did you get that?" Then you can at least you know, go and find it. But you wouldn't normally bother, right? Uh, with a Cubase, I've got, I've always got the. R- the retrospective record turned on and I think it goes back a few minutes I think I can't remember what I've set that to I'll have a look retrospective record I like the idea so it records yeah so it's it's recording in playback um and then when you start recording you can then you know you can then pull it back how does that work does that work with does the record the channel have to be an input monitor uh, no, just as long as the track is kind of armed, whatever track is armed is is uh, will be recorded. Um, oh, okay, that's I'm just having a, I'm just having a look on my I'm just trying to have a look on my Cubase to see what uh, what I've got it set to. I have had it set to different amounts in the past. Um, pre-records. I've got six. Actually, I've just got six seconds of pre-record. Ah, okay. Um, but I mean, I'm just looking what I could set. Six seconds. You do a lot in six seconds, right? <laughs> <laughs> One. <laughs> yeah, I could. I could have. It. I'm just looking at 32 seconds. Let's try 100 seconds. And it'll just ah, 60. It looks like 60 seconds. 60 seconds is the maximum. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, interesting idea for for a notion for work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the one thing I find with um, certainly with most doors that I've used, and I sort of miss that kind of Atari style big tape transport. So you can just quickly hit a button and kind of go. I want these channels in record. I mean, I know Rich, you don't use a, a control surface, do you? With uh, with what you do. So I mean, is you know you've got to kind of mouse around and go. Oh, quick, record that channel. So do you find that's actually even though disk space is is less of an issue it's actually is it any is it slower could you miss things if you're not kind of don't have the channels in the right part of the window or whatever well you have to find that an issue i suppose <laughs> you could one might you try not to and sometimes you might <laughs> okay well anyway i enjoyed uh, i i thought it was uh, a great piece that video because it was just it's just such a sort of um it sums up so many different aspects of what happens when you're in the studio. I mean, and also the gap, the fact the guys there going, "Hey, look, look, do you know, do do it like this, do it like that." Of somebody, and he doesn't look like he perhaps knows what he's doing, which is kind of fun. But uh, we're probably the less said about that, the better. Um, there is, um, uh, let me have a look. Oh yes, the uh, I, I was going to basically take this one a little bit. Uh, uh, now I need to, I need to get this. This is this is the new uh, the promo for the core. And I got one of these because Korg, when they came down last, they gave me one of these, which is like a little USB stick shaped like a micro Korg. And it's just, it's a, like a two gig one. It's a really cute little bit of promo. It's made of sort of rubberized plastic. And it's even got like transfers and knobs on the back. And it's from this guy. Uh, now, I've just got to get this picture up because this guy makes all sorts of little kind of cute pieces of electronics it's called the drum bro hip-hop drum samples and he makes i'm just seeing if i can find yeah these little usb keys so sp1200s uh 
808. There's an MPC. What I really like as well is the little Yamaha um, NS10s. I thought that was particularly cute, actually. That's just, I don't know why I thought that was so cute, but it just seemed, you had to have a pair of them, wouldn't you? Just because you could. And uh, these are made, they were designed by, um, I'm just trying to think what the name of the guy is, Hip Hop Drum Samples, yes. And he, basically there there was a piece about it, I think Peter Kern did something on uh, Create Digital Music about the kind of cuteness of it, and about these things. And it just got me thinking about promo items for music technology, and I wondered if anybody had any kind of uh, favourites, or perhaps ones that should be made that haven't been made yet. Um, I guess you're usually full of ideas, though you're looking a bit <laughs> flummoxed at this. I have rather sprung. This has been in the list for a little while. I just thought I'd sort of mention it, really, because uh, um, I have another yeah. co- another topic coming up. But I, you know, <laughs> um, ooh, can you go to Rich first while I think about <laughs> this? <laughs> Rich, you've been you've been dumped on. I'm afraid it's down, over Duh. to you. But the the, the, the whole idea. The, I'm just trying to think of some other ones that were really cool. I mean, obviously T-shirts are the as mainly baseball caps, mugs, that kind of thing. But they're just so, I just really like these little. Uh, the one there was another really cool one that was made. I forget the name of the chap. He made these little paper synthesizers that you could cut out and fold out. And there's quite you know there's just some neat little promote. They weren't necessarily so much promotional items. But it seems to me, you know, if you're going to make um, US, you know, USB sticks, you've got to make like two or high capacity as possible, please, because then they then they're really useful. <laughs> so, Rich, you're you're uh, struggling to um, to discover any particular promo stuff, any stunts that perhaps were done to promote <laughs> either great great instruments or perhaps not not so great instruments. I'm trying to think. I really <laughs> ah, I've done it now. I, I, you yeah. know what? I, cause I, I did have this set up. And I was hoping, because I got one of these today, which is the Akai, um, uh, what is it? M- MPX8, which is a little sample player. And yes. I actually tried to load some samples very quickly before the show. I was trying to load some samples in, one of which was Howard Sloan's Tumbleweed Moment, which uh, we used to play on the show. And I had it. I was I wanted to assign it to one of the pads. And I really could have done with it then. And it's just a shame, for some reason, these were 16-bit 44-1 WAV samples, and it just didn't read them. So I didn't read the manual and figure out what format I needed. What format does it take, then? Well, I don't know, because I didn't. <laughs> it doesn't take MP3s, and it doesn't take whatever. It, these were WAV files, so I, I don't know. Maybe I got that wrong. But uh, so can, you just hold, can we just look at that thing again, then? Because I think that that is potentially quite a useful little tool it's quite cheap isn't it i think is it uh, um, yes i don't think it's very costly um you've got, let me see if hmm. I, I might be able to give it some juice and does it act as a little midi control surface as well yes it will output uh midi notes let me see if i can power it up Sorry, I just it's like christmas notes. morning around here uh, if i plug that in USB port, uh, power up, there we go. And then assume, assuming then... Get my that headphones the, in while you have a look at the LCD. <laughs> and the memory size is dictated uh, by the SD card, I suppose. Focus. Not a very bad... Yeah, I can't really... But you get basically pan level... Um, there's an effect send in it. It's also got um, MIDI in and out on these little mini jacks. That uh, so you can address it and it'll output MIDI note uh, MIDI note value as well as trigger a sample. Um, let me see what else has it got. It's got stereo out on quarter inch, which is kind of cool for this form factor, and yeah. headphone out and an SD card slot. You can just bung one in there. But as I said, I haven't had a chance to um, figure out what. But it does. It does this. It does. You know, they they light up. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, light, think I think that's. I think that's. I gotta say, I think that's pretty cool. 
pretty cool thing. And presumably, you know, I've plugged it in over USB and it might do mm. something that I haven't discovered. Literally, I just got it out of the box and I have not looked at it at all. But yeah, because there aren't there aren't all that many um, sampler instruments, uh, no. you know, some dedicated samplers. And obviously, Without Akai, a computer. Akai, Akai yeah. used to make them. I can just imagine because I went to see the I went to the fair a couple of days ago and uh, I, I seem to remember there was a topic not that long ago, well, several years ago, when I went to the fair for the first time for ages. Um, probably after my daughter became old enough to go to them. And I noticed all the people in the fair had little SP303s mm-hmm. and they were triggering their, hold tight, here we go. <laughs> and it was all, so I imagine yeah. we'll see a bunch of those doing the same sort of thing, the kind of carnage. And I, I, I think I remember, I don't know, Rich, whether I asked you at the time, do you get, have you noticed that you guess, you call them carnivals, don't you, in the, or carnies, I guess, in the, uh, in the States, where you have a fun fair. Is that right? Or am I, uh, am I off the mark? You're asking me if we have them here? Yeah, they're, they're called, they're, they, they call them fun... And whether, whether you get the same kind of deal where the people in the booths have got little tr- tr- samplers that they trigger all, that, trigger all their kind of uh, phrases for the waltzers and the uh, go faster. Scream it's been if you a while. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been to one, so ah, it's very okay. possible that they do. They were probably just using... Yeah, they were probably using SP-1200s back in the day. <laughs> no, no, I can pretty much assure you they weren't no, doing I'm that. I'm pretty sure they weren't. <laughs> <coughs> Um, well, seeing as my um, promotional item uh, gig kind of topic just came off completely wrong, <laughs> uh, I will give you the opportunity if you've, if anything's come to mind before I uh, uh, well before all right, I move I have on. One, I have one anecdote. Oh, uh, Rich, thank you. My when God, we arri- sir. when our Prophet 08 arrived, which now needs servicing, but that's another issue. Um, it arrived uh, very kindly with a shot glass, a, 50, I don't know, 30th anniversary or whatever it is, 40th anniversary shot glass from, uh, from those nice people over there at Dave Smith. Ah, yeah, no, that was good. Cause, no, that, is, that, that triggers a, a memory for me as well because when I went over there, it was at NAMM, not last year, this year, but the year before, which I think was an anniversary. Uh, as you say, was it 30 years? 40? I can't remember. Um, but Dave had some uh, awesome sipping tequila, which he plied me with. In fact, I've got the glass here. It's on the shelf in the in the kitchen. And I brought it back with me because I, I never, I've, I've only ever had the, the sort of tequila you get in the UK is, you know, it's not particularly special. It's just, I, I'm sure Jose Cuevo is okay, but it's not like the best tequila that you can get if you're in Mexico. And Dave is a real aficionado of tequila. And he gave me... He blew my mind, man, with some really amazing mm-hmm. tequila. <laughs> and that, that does strike me as one of the finest um, promotional items. I agree with you there, Rich. Didn't have, are you a tequila fan? Do you get good tequila where you are? Um, I've been known to drink some tequila. It's not my first call, usually. <laughs> um, the end of the night when it's a really bad idea, huh? Have I had some good tequila? Yes. Ah. Um, I've also had some pedestrian tequila, but... Uh, yeah, I like a good tequila when it's there. What should I look for next time I'm going to buy a, a, a bottle of not, tequila? I, I'm not qualified to say oh, that. I mean, Patron I, is the is the favorite son sort of high-end tequila, Patron, but I okay. know it gets a lot better than that um, and probably for less money. But I'm not the expert in tequilas. Yes, I, I did go to the Scotch whiskey experience in Edinburgh recently, though. Oh, really? How was that? That was a blast. It's interesting. I, we're way off topic, but seeing as my last topic was way off anyway, there's no really no no real difference. But interesting. Well, they handed me a scotch glass in the shape of a keyboard. <laughs> a, a keyboard scotch glass. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was going. <laughs> how about a keyboard tie that you can drink from? 
<laughs> and now, and now we're really getting off. No, but interestingly enough, in terms in the Scotch world, there's uh, all sorts of whiskies. Uh, Indian whiskey is very big at the moment. Have been uh, as one, and in fact, I'm pretty sure has won. They have this big kind of whiskey prize, whiskey distillers prize, and I think an Indian one has uh, won a couple of years. And there's another um, country that's uh, coming up big. I think Andy might shout from the other room. What's the other country, Andy? That's um, making scotch that's not scottish sorry japan as well japan have really uh really kind of come on as well so japan and india mm-hmm. amarid apparently indian indian scotch is the one to go for if you're into that sort of, i can't drink scotch anymore it just uh, makes me sick as a dog almost instantly tequila however big fan of tequila specifically uh, margaritas <laughs> which i enjoy making um uh, that's not really getting us any music technology stuff, but I ha- actually I, that's okay because I have actually got a bit of an early doors tonight because um, I got to get away and um, do some chores and things. But um, uh, that was fun mm. for all my uh, for all my lack of <laughs> lack of organisation. But it seems like the stream has held up, so the new technology is working well, and uh, the recording looks like it's working because I can tell from over here. So hopefully this will all be available um, shortly on YouTube. And the other thing that I noticed, um, YouTube has just given us live event streaming status. So we might consider having a go at sending it to a YouTube live stream because I'd imagine doing this via a YouTube live stream for an hour will probably get promoted somewhere and we might pick up some new listeners and all that sort of thing. But I don't know what it'll do for the chat room or what have you. So just thought I'd mention it. So anyway, Gaz, um, thank you very much for joining us this week. Uh, much enjoyment and merriment, and I'm glad uh, we got to talk about booze at least for a bit, <laughs> even though it wasn't on the uh, on the side. Um, uh, so what have you yeah. got next? Next, I've got well, I've got a few. I got a little secret thing I can't really talk about oh, right okay. now. <laughs> um, cool. And. Uh, I don't know, really. To be honest, I'm looking for I'm looking for more base work. I think that's sort of uh, that's kind of floating my boat. So, um, but as a, as a, as a friend of mine said, they have a habit of finding you rather than you going looking for them. So I'm just I'm kind of hope, hopeful that something will happen along those lines because um, it was. It was interesting, you know. I mean, I'm sure Rich will be able to concur with this. But, you know, when you play, like, the big shows, and if the, the shows go well, you know, you do get, like, a confidence that's... that, Like, like I'm just bursting to play more at the moment. I mean, I went off and played, uh, as I said, last weekend with David Rhodes and Jed Lynch, who are really mighty fine musicians. And, you know, and when you play with great musicians, it just raises your game. You just... You, your playing just sort of seems just, just to kind of, you know to kind of go upwards um yeah because so, i mean obviously joe plays with uh tony levin which uh, i noticed that there was a facebook st- status out i've got this gig the drummer i'm playing with usually plays with levin <laughs> i'm a bit worried yeah. understandably yeah. so yeah but, um and it was cool you know when you play with good musicians you can you can do things uh like for instance like as from, from a bass playing point of view I, sometimes I like to lean forward on things and play sort of really slightly in front of the beat to sort of give a, a sense of drive and excitement in the music. Uh, and then, but then I like to just to pull way back and to sort of go onto the back of the beat. Then just maybe to sort of drop from a chorus, uh, going back into a verse or something. Right now, when you play with good musicians, like really good musicians, they it. 
they all kind of stay on their course in a way and um and you can do that sort of thing but rather than they don't try and compensate for you you mean well yeah you know it's like it's quite nice it's not everything's hanging off me sometimes i play with some people and you know if i do something they'll just it'll just wrong foot them and they'll go kind of wrong um but uh you know playing with these great musicians it just kind of it, it's quite liberating you get to be able to be uh you know a, a, a better player uh because you can play off them more now jed lynch he's a great drummer he's you know he's he's had like 12 13 years with peter gabriel amongst other people he he's like uh he's a very exciting drummer to play with because he he He's one of these drummers, he really digs in and he likes to play sort of, he likes to come down really hard on the top of the beat, you know, and sort of just really, really pounding in there, um, which is really quite exciting. And he, he's so loud. He's one of them drummers you can play very loud. Uh, and, but then he can just come straight off the gas and just play in a really open and very light way. So it's... Uh, uh, you know, really exciting. No, so he's, he's, a gr- he's a great the, drummer, actually. You know, with him. Yeah, so so the dynamics. And like David Rhodes, you know, he's such an experienced guitar player. And, um, you know, it's a So you, you, you're basically just aching to, for more big gigs. I know, Rich, I actually, that's, that's the thing, because, I mean, you've been doing like these big festival gigs and what have you over the summer. Do you find... I mean, do you find that you're, you come out of it sort of musically excited because I mean, all that energy that happens at an event like that, and say Glastonbury or, or you know, all the other gigs that you get, you know, it's, 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 it's got to be, you, you, can you put it to good use musically? Absolutely. The energy we get from the audience this year has been unbelievable. And yes, it, it uh, fuels what happens on stage. I was thinking you're looking younger. Do you, th- do you think that's what happens? <laughs> like this kind of like, a bit, because it... Uh, the endorphins that you must get from uh, these sort of size events and when it goes well and maybe you take a risk and it, it comes off and those sort of things. I mean, must, like Gaz says, you know, confidence-wise, they must be fantastic. I mean, I'm guessing. I, get, I don't know how much leeway you get within your particular gig here, but, I mean, there must be elements that you can work within. There are, but, but as far as confidence goes, it's more of a group confidence. It's a security in what we're all doing more than any sense of aren't I the man yeah. for me. Okay. Um, I don't really dwell too much in aren't I the man. I kind of tend to dwell in or how are we all doing together right now? Right. But that, and so I guess that's the thing that, because particularly with gigs that you, you must have to, like festival gigs, when you turn up, you don't really get a sound check in all cases, and you've got to kind of, like, just get on and play, you know you can do that when you've had these sort of events behind you. It's just like, yeah. Well, also if you have a sound crew like the yeah. one that we tour with. Interesting. Anyway, that was a, a little bonus topic there mm-hmm. to doubly make up for my terrible suggestion of... Uh, oh. <laughs> but there it is. Uh, oh, I, I'm going to... I know there's something there. I just yeah, it's all right. But anyway, but I really should go because I have got to be home uh, shortly. But thank you very much, everybody. It's been great fun, and I would like to play off. uh, I've got a little bit of um, George Duke at the end. I'm going to try and get to the Inca Road solo part because it Mm -hmm. just it's just you know it really is magical. And there's all that there is actually a really awesome guitar solo in it as well. But I'm not going to play too much of that because I expect we'll get busted. This is probably the sort of thing that we couldn't do if we were doing YouTube live. But I'll see if I can get this to go. So this is uh, yeah Inca Roads uh, from 1975. So I'm going to fast forward it a bit. It does actually need to go fast forward quite a long way. Uh, There's lots of brilliant animation in here. And uh, let me just find the bit. Bruce Bickford. Bruce Bickford doing the animation. 
Yeah. Uh, it was, yes, it's very hard to watch that without feeling nauseous because uh, the, mm. tri- the trick was, I'm told, to watch it uh, if you were psychodo- psychologically enhanced or altered in any way and see if you could cope with uh, watching <laughs> this. This is George Shoot on the roads. But the best bit is to come. The art Odyssey solo is just... release up and then starts playing the roads. Just genius. And that's it. <laughs> and a befitting end. But thank you very much to everybody. Aww. That was uh, uh, Sonic Talk number 325. And Hooray. once again, thanks to our sponsors. See you, everybody. <laughs>